Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today is going to be a treat for you because I have a man who's a wealth of knowledge. He's building a brand right now. He's sold a brand in the past. He's running affiliate marketing. He's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I have with me today Creek and Jackin. And I met Creek through Ryan Daniel Moran and the Capitalism Fund. Uh, full disclosure, we are invested in, in his brand. Uh, but he is building a company right now called Candy Can. And I don't know about you, fellow listener, but uh, you might like to snack on um, a child's vitamin every now and then, the gummy vitamins. I've been known to sneak a child's vitamin every now and then. <laughs> So, so that, that's actually a trend. So if you do that, you don't have to do that in the closet anymore. You can do it in public. And uh, Creek will talk about that and, and what they're building at Candy Can. So Creek, welcome to the show. You were just holding up Candy Can. So tell, tell the folks, what is Candy Can specifically? Well, Brett, thanks again for having me on the show. Really excited about this and telling people a little bit what we're all about. Um, so basically, Candy Can is the world's first snackable gummy vitamin. Um, kind of, I was uh, selling my last company and uh, I was in my office snacking on gummy vitamins, Ollie's for be specific. And my business partner walks in and he's like, dude, what are you doing? You can't be eating them like that. And I looked at him and I was like, who only eats two gummies? <laughs> and right then and there, we we're like, holy shit, this is a, this is a real <laughs> business right here. So we, we set up to create a functional candy company. Yeah. I remember, uh, so a lot of listeners know, I've, I've got eight kids and, uh, and I've, show, I've showed you like the, uh, we did a call prepping for this, and you saw you saw our, our little duck farm and and the, and the kids and stuff, which was awesome. But I remember one night I'm like snacking on these these uh, kids' vitamins, and my daughter Sophia walks into the kitchen. She's like, "Are you eating my vitamins?" And I'm like, "Yeah, they're pretty good. You know, this is like I'm trying not to eat, I'm trying not to eat desserts. I'm trying you know to eat healthy. So yes, I'm snacking on a kid's vitamin. But apparently, this is like a trend. Like people do this." Yeah, yeah. The New York Times even wrote an article about it, how gummy vitamins have exploded, but everyone is overeating them. And the problem with them is each gummy is loaded with a ton of vitamins, and they're usually made with like kind of harmful ingredients like gelatin, which is animal byproduct of like chicken beaks and pig skin. Um, and also, they're packed with sugar. Each gummy's got like two to four grams of sugar. My entire bag of 15, or actually there's 18 gummies in this, has only two grams of sugar. So it, it's two net, and it's two net carbs. So we're not only are we functional and snackable, we're also keto. So it's a really cool, better for you product. Um, won't spike your glucose to insulin levels at all. Um, clean label, tastes great. And uh, I mean, function has gotten everywhere from drinks and beverages to uh, bars. And I figured, why can't function go into candy? And the low hanging fruit for us was gummies. I love it. It's a brilliant idea. I've tried the product. We hung out in Austin a few months ago, and I love the product. And you guys are off to a t on a tear, man. You're, you're, you're launching fast, and things are going really well. So I want to unpack a few things about your success and really want to dig into affiliate marketing and kind of what you've learned and what you've seen there and, and also why you did affiliate marketing. Uh, I want to talk about a couple other things that I think is really cool about the way you approach business. But before we do that... Can you give folks kind of your quick background? What did you do prior to uh, launching Candy Can? Yeah, sure. So I, um, I came out of college uh, 2011, uh, and I, uh, I was an investment banker. I was doing merchant acquisitions. I was covering the food space. I did that for three years, and uh, I was debating whether to go to private equity, do I, uh, start, do I uh, st 
stay as a banker? Do I go to business school? And I realized I kind of hated finance, but I really grew to love and have affinity for the food industry. So I started my first food company uh, eight years ago or so. We made a protein chip and protein popcorn company. Um, built that up over about a six-year period. We sold that business about two years ago. And then while we were selling that company, we got this concept kind of came up and it was like, oh, our next business. Um, took us a while to get off the ground for a number of reasons. One, it was COVID, getting off the ground during COVID is tough. And two, my business partner actually had cancer. So he had to go through chemotherapy um, while we were building the brand and doing R&D and uh, doing all the marketing work behind it, everything before launch. Thank God he's okay now. Um, the world seems to be quasi back to normal post-COVID and the, the brand is doing fantastic. So I'm very happy about all of the above. Yeah, it's amazing, man. And, and kudos to you. And, and so really, like I said, want to dive into Candy Can and dive into affiliate marketing. But before we do, you know, a lot, a lot of my friends and, and even, you know, at OMG, myself, my business partner, we're looking at buying brands and doing some M&A and stuff like that. As an investment banker, I'm super interested in your perspective. And you and I talked a little bit about this when we met up in Austin about your investment banker background. But uh, and this is not going to be the focus of the talk, but just, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but any tips, suggestions, anything that, that you know as an insider about investment banking and private equity that you would give to the listeners who are either looking at buying or, or selling a business? Yeah, I mean, in terms of investing or buying a company, um, you got to look at a couple things. One, the most important, in my opinion, is the founders themselves. Like, are these the guys or girls to get it done? Um, are these people that are trustworthy, that are going to take your money and not just blow it in Vegas, you know? Um, next is, I look at macroeconomic conditions. Like, is this category, category that's growing? Is there an opportunity for it? Um, and then three, it's like, do you personally have an affinity for it? Do you like the products? Like, is this something you could actually um, endorse, right? Get behind. Um, I had some invest. I had one or two investors not do the deal, not because they didn't like the brand, not because they didn't like the category, not because they didn't like me. They're just like straight up, I don't like gummies. I'm not a gummy guy. And I was like, do what? That's fair. That's a legitimate reason. So I, I think those are always the reasons when, uh, for me at least, when I invest or look to invest in companies, like I would, uh, I'd look at. And in terms of. Uh, exiting a company, I mean, it's just, where do you want to be? Where, like, that's where you want to be in your life cycle. Is there a good opportunity, like from the macroeconomic sense of the word as well, like what is the, the environment out there today versus tomorrow? Um, I've seen plenty of companies sell way too late. Uh, I've seen some companies sell too early, like uh, like Victoria's Secrets is a great one, like sold way too early. The guy walked in with $10 million, now it's a $2 billion brand. And then plenty of guys sold way too late, like, Quest Nutrition, like they had a $2 billion offer, they sold it for a billion. I don't think anyone's scoffing at that, but <laughs> they, they could have got a lot more. Yeah, exactly. And uh, love that. And I also love that, and you have an investment banking background, it's what you did. And the first three things you mentioned when considering whether you should invest in a brand were not really related to finance, right? They're related more to founder and trends and affinities. And of course, the numbers and all that has to make sense too. But I love the fact that you started with non-financial uh, aspects, which is cool. Well, I mean, if the finances check out, great, but like, if you don't like the founder, if the founder is like, seems a little shady to you for whatever reason, like, you're not gonna touch it and you shouldn't touch it. And, and that's the end of the day. And like, even when I'm, I'm dealing with investors for my own company, like, if there's any hesitancy, I always tell them, like, don't do the deal. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I want guys that are all in. Like, I don't want someone that's gonna be calling me every week, freaking out, this and that, like, and, and things do go sideways sometimes. I, mean, I want to be able to have those calls with you and not just like hide behind my computer. Like I want to be honest with people and be transparent and ethical. Um, and I think that's what most investors want as well. 
Awesome. So let's let's dive into affiliate marketing because this is a really interesting topic for me. I, I've got a decent understanding of affiliate marketing. It's not something I've ever run or ever done myself, but it is interesting. And you and I talked about this a few weeks ago that some really big brands like Dollar Shave Club, Manscaped, Snow, uh, largely grew or or affiliate marketing really helped fuel and 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 add some rocket fuel to their their growth. But talk about why did you start affiliate marketing? Because that wasn't was not the first thing you tried, but it is the thing that's really working for you now. But why did you start in the first place? Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's a good question. So basically, when we first launched, we didn't raise a ton of money pre pre capital pre pre seed, I guess you'd call it, and we needed to be cash created from day one. So we started running the standard CPM model, cost per uh, million impressions, pretty much, um, through Facebook, through Google, Instagram, and we didn't see a lot of return. We were maybe getting like a 0.3, 0.5 ROAS. And I was like, what's happening? Like, I used to run my last company. Like, I put no effort in. I get two ROAS, no problem. And everyone's like, tell me the same thing. It's the Facebook iOS changes. They've changed the game. And then everyone and their mother has a brand. They make a cookie in their, in their kitchen. They're running ads on it now. So it's just gotten so saturated. So how do you become profitable or successful in this channel? And everyone's like, oh, you got to do the LTV model and got to recapture them. And I'm like, yeah, sure, for a big brand, that makes sense. But for a small guy who's just launching, doesn't have a ton of capital behind him to, to um, really just play that waiting game, um, we, we said we have to go further down the funnel. What Where is going to be more cash accretive earlier on? And then we can kind of go into these bigger model things. And we realize that affiliate marketing is. So I only pay for conversion for a sale. And I, I think that is the most powerful thing in marketing today. And I know that huge brands, they don't talk about it because it's not necessarily a dirty secret, but it's, it's a kind of a secret of the industry. Like affiliate marketing has been around for a long time um, and not a lot of guys do it. There's not a lot of agencies for it. There's a ton of agencies for Facebook and Google, for Instagram, whatever, TikTok now too, but very few for affiliate. There's very, and so I had to learn it. So the affiliate marketing agencies themselves, they are charging 10, 20 grand a month and I was saying to myself, I don't want to pay that much. That's crazy. So I literally went in and all hands on deck, learned it inside and out. And uh, we've got really successful programs. And I'm really thankful that I did find it because our business is doing phenomenally well. And it's 80% driven by affiliate marketing. Yeah, it's awesome. And and, and you're right. And obviously, you know, I, I love Google. I love YouTube. I, I even like Facebook, even though I don't run it. But for someone just starting out and for some businesses, the, the numbers don't work or don't work that well, right, for, for trying to scale with traditional ads. I still think there's a way to make it work, but for some people, it's a little bit out of reach. So let's talk about, so, so explain this process a little bit. So with affiliate marketing, I think a lot of people have a good idea of what it is, but, but let's just pretend that someone doesn't know what affiliate marketing is at all. How would you describe it? Essentially, anytime someone drives a click or a sale to your website, you pay for it. So the CPC model, cost per click, CPM, cost per million, anytime it's an impression, or there's a CPA, cost per, per action. The action is typically a purchase. You can do an add to cart. Um, so when I was running my last company, my, my chips and popcorn company, when I heard affiliate marketing, I thought it was through influencer. An influencer... Uh, promotes your product, you give them a link, discount code, whatever, and any sales driven, you give them a cut of the sale. But it's, it is that, but it's so much more. Anytime an ad pops up, anytime, um, whether it's native on the side, anytime um, an email list gets gets pinged, anytime an ad on a game, whether like called incent marketing, if you're, if you're running a, uh, 
an ad on your game, you're playing Candy Crush something and you want to add pops up, hey, get another 100 coins, gems, tokens, whatever it is, if you purchase their product. That's incense. So they're incentivized to purchase, but you're capturing a customer for relatively cheap. So again, for me, it, it just made a ton of sense because you're only paying if there's a sale. I'm only paying if there's dollars coming to me. Um, it's gotten more expensive, like all online marketing um, avenues and channels, um, but it's still, in my opinion, far cheaper and far more cost-effective for early-stage companies. Yeah, I love it. And so, so the way this is working is you're partnering with people that either have email lists or they're good at running traffic, and that traffic could be display through GDN or through native ads or, or whatever. So you're partnering with people that are driving you clicks and, more importantly, customers, and then you're only paying if someone actually buys. And, and can you kind of talk about what, what's the structure here? Like, are you, what, what platform are you using? How are you connecting with these influencers? Just kind of how, how does the structure work? Yeah, so I, I got pinged by one of these instant marketers, one of the biggest ones, and they reached out to me and, and they had a, a platform called Everflow. Um, I'm actually now really tied into this platform. They're the tracking platform I use, but there's other ones. There's like ShareASale, Impact, um, there's, there's, cake. The there's quite a few of these, but Everflow is one of the group I, I Pepper Jam's another big one. Yep, Pepper Jam's a big one. Uh, Impact, Pepper Jam, ShareSale, I think are the biggest. Um, well, I'm also on ShareSale, but I mostly do most of my stuff through Everflow. Um, and they're just a tracking platform. And this first company, was pub, they're called Publishers. Um, I started seeing really good sales, and I was like, okay, what else is out here? So I just started Googling. And then I, what I started doing is anytime I talked to a new publisher, I was like, hey, introduce me to somebody else. Introduce me to somebody else. And like, well, we use that through broker. And I was like, well, introduce me to someone that you don't broker to, that you don't get volume from. Because it's all about volume. When I say volume, I mean site visitors and how many people are going to your site and clicking. Um, and, and, that's, and then your conversion metrics from there dictate the CPA you pay um, and your EPC and whatnot. And you work through that. But... Um, it really was just me going in and diving in headfirst and trying to meet and talk to everyone. Like I've gone to a couple of meet, uh, affiliate meetups now. Uh, ASE, Affiliate Summit East, is uh, actually next week here in New York. I'm very excited. My first time going. Um, but I've been running this program for like six months, a little bit less than six months. And we're seeing huge numbers. And it's in a very short period of time. And I know I've barely scratched the surface of what this could be. Yeah. Awesome. So I want to unpack a few things that you mentioned there and, and clarify a few things as well. So you talked about how, uh, and, and I love this, by the way, you meet uh, an affiliate, you get something going, and you say, hey, introduce me to somebody else, right? And that's just like a good business tactic, but I know that's that's leading you to others. Um, but but explain the the broker situation. So so some people are like, well, I've got these uh, the contacts, but I broker with them. And, and your idea, which is a brilliant one, is building who are people you don't broker with, but can you explain what, what you mean by that and what that what that is? So these these affiliate networks, a lot of times what they'll do is you'll pay them a $20 CPA, right? For every sale, I give you 20 bucks, um, which is actually cheaper than Facebook. Most Facebook CACs are $40, $50 what I'm seeing. So I'm paying $20, which is far cheaper. Um, what they'll do is they'll pocket five of them and then they'll broker the, the extra $15 to another network. So... That, that's why affiliates are a little strange in the sense that they're kind of secretive. So you, you do kind of have to make friends. You do have to play really nice. And you do have to like, it's like, hey, like, 
do me a favor, do me a solid. And I was kind of the new kid on the block. It is a very closed network and not a lot of people, everyone kind of knows each other in the space. So I was a new guy coming with a new offer, but I don't know, I'm like, I'll buy you a beer, kind of that kind of thing. Just introduce me to somebody. Um, and it's worked out great. And this, this network and this industry is really welcoming with open arms. And I think it's because I'm making money for them. They're making money for me. I'm a nice guy. And I think, um, I think we got, there's opportunities for everybody here in the space. Um, maybe I'm kind of doing myself a disservice by talking about it so much, but <laughs> yeah, but and, and the product is good and it's working, and so you're, you're making money. Now, one of one of the metrics I know is really important to affiliates, and this is a new one. So I think a lot of people know, you know, cost per thousand, and cost per click, and, and cost per conversion or, or CPA, uh, but they probably don't know eCPC, right? Which is uh, or uh, it's earnings per click, right? Uh, that, that, that's one of the big numbers. I think I may have just gotten the acronym wrong, but whatever. Uh, earnings per click. That's a, that's a number affiliates care about. Can you unpack that a little bit and talk about that? Yeah, so they want to know for every click, how much dollars am I getting? What's my CPA? And, and they want to see conversion rates. So like for 100 people that come to your website, how many are actually converting, right? How many are clicking? And, and what are you actually earning on that? So it, it's, it's like Facebook. It's so that they're competing for the same bids. Except for there's there's far less people doing it. That that's the difference here. All the big companies are running on Facebook. All the big companies are running on Instagram, and they're starting to go on TikTok now. Very few companies run affiliate, and the ones that do are, are especially back in the day. They're more scammy companies. You find like a lot of like um, brain booster, libido booster kind of landing pages and things, and those and. The market's wisened up. When I say the market, like customers, consumers have wisened, wisened up to that stuff. So like that stuff doesn't do so well, as, as well as it used to at least. It still exists. So real brands like me have a real opportunity to leverage this kind of like vacuum of opportunity where they're looking for legitimate brands to actually put on their network and to sell these consumers because these consumers are captive. They're, they're already on these sites. They're clicking. They're purchasing. They have intent. Um, and it's cheap. Because you're only paying for conversion, yeah. and there's no, there's no other, as far as I know, there's no other marketing funnel or channel that you only pay for conversion. I, as far as I know, it's just affiliate. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think, I think you're right. I think that's the only, the only channel. Google dabbled with a thing, uh, this kind of a pay for conversions model, but did, didn't really work so well, at least not for most people. So, so I, I love this. Let's talk a little bit about. Cause I think this is going to be new to a lot of people listening. How did you get started? So, how did you? craft that first offer? How'd you find your first affiliate? How'd you decide I'm going to pay $20 versus 50? And so, so walk, walk us through how you got started. Yeah. So in November, one of these uh, instant marketers guys reached out to me and I was like, I don't even know what this is. And, so and I you, ran you it. You said November. that a few times now, and, and sorry, you said incent. What, what, can you spell that? What is that? It, it, it incentivized. Yeah, I'm sorry. Got it, got it, got it. So incentivized marketing. So like someone runs, yeah, my bad. So if someone runs a, an ad on a game and you you get gems, coins, tokens, arrows, swords. I don't know how people are playing. Um, so like they're incentivized to purchase your product. Which again, like it, it, incent marketing is probably the lowest bucket, lowest tier of affiliate. Because like they're incentivized to buy your product, right? Like do they really want to buy your product or do they just want the tokens and gems? But also you're getting a product in a consumer's hand and they're purchasing with a credit card. So there is some intent. And then you can also retarget them emails and Facebook, all that good stuff, right? Um, yeah, so these guys reached out to me in November, one of the bigger guys, and I ran it in November. 
didn't get traction. And I was like, there's something still here though. I, I got an idea. So then I, I, I pinged my, uh, my rep there and I was like, guys, like what's working? This doesn't work for me. Like, and I'm not getting Facebook to work great. Like show me a landing page that's working. And they sent me Dollar Shave Club. And I looked at Dollar Shave Club, how, how they were doing it. And then I started looking at Manscaped and I started looking at these other guys. I was like, oh, they're doing like a rebuild model with like a, like a, a sample kind of thing. So we started running that and it just paid back so much, like crazy. And now I'm like, I got some guys I was just looking at this morning on their sixth, seventh rebuild because wow. they like the product. So it's it's all about your, it's crazy. It's all about your cohort data, right? So like making sure consumers, so like I've got like maybe 30% drop off immediately. So immediately they don't want the product, they just wanted their coins and gems. But then I got 70% staying in their first rebuild. Then I got 40% staying in the second, then 15 to the third. But I'm profitable on that next rebuild. And it keeps compounding, compounding. So I've got nearly 2,000 subscriptions right now. And I've built that in less in like five months. Yeah. Would you just I don't know many companies that do that with as little budget as I have. Yeah, totally. Um Let's talk about this. What are what are some of the things that you've learned through this process that you wish you would have known in the very beginning? Landing page is everything. Um, I've, I, I know Ezra Firestone always talks about it. It's all about your landing page. And we're still playing with ours. And I know ours could be better, so I'm still trying to get them to be optimal and always playing with them. But testing is so key, too. Like having many of them, having someone on your team that can be building them constantly. Um, and then also just knowing your data, like the Everflow platform, the tracking platform is so comprehensive and analytical. And this guy who's an ex-banker, like, I love it, but um, kind of shameful of me not to actually take advantage of it, especially in the early months. In the past, I've only really, really started diving into my figures the past three months. The first three months I was just running it and I was like, yeah, $15, $20. And here, here's the, the offer. Um, and now I'm, I'm really fine tuning it. I'm finding like these like little pockets of gems. Another one I would say is fraud. Fraud is notorious in affiliates. So you have to really be careful with affiliate and you have to really be good about um, implementing fraud filters. Um, because especially if you're running rebuild models where you're paying $15 CPA for a $5 purchase, say, a lot of these uh, publishers, they're like, they're fake publishers, they're fake apps, and they're just picking up the Delta, they're take, picking up the $10 difference. So you have to be very careful around fraud. Um, and then on top of that, we were always good about this, but I would still recommend anyone, uh, if it's a rebuild model, just make sure you're really, really ethical about the way you display yeah. um, that there is a subscription. Um, so we have it on four or five in place. I have, it on the, I have it on the ad, I have it on the landing page, I have it at checkout. I have a button you have to click that says it's a subscription, confirm it's a subscription. It won't process without you clicking that button. And the email you get says a subscription at the very top in bold letters, manage subscription that tells you how to do it kind of thing. So we want to be super above board with that kind of stuff because we don't want to mess with it. We want, we want real customers. We don't want to like kind of game the system or anything. We want consumers who actually want our products. You want real customers. You want people to stick. You don't want to have those, those recharge and, and refund rates to get too high and some of those things. So that, that totally makes sense. Can you talk a little bit about the fraud piece? Because this is a piece that we don't have to worry about as much through some of the traditional advertising channels, but what are the fraud controls and, and what is it that you have to be concerned about there? Yeah, I mean, you get a lot of, um, 
not a lot, but like you get some fraudsters with stolen credit cards or prepaid cards, um, just trying to, like I said, pick up the delta between your CPA and the offer. So if you have a $20 offer and the average purchase price is $5, $10, like that difference of $10 or whatever it is, $15, the publisher, the app is collecting it. With the, and they'll do this at scale. So I had one weekend where I had 50, so they'll, they'll I got just hit. Go, they'll just buy your, they'll buy your offer a thousand times or something just because they're, they're paying out, paying out 10 and getting back 20. And so they're, they're just making that margin, but you're not getting a real customer that way. Exactly. And then the rebuild never happens either. Um, cause the one, it's either selling credit card, it's a prepaid one, or they're just canceling subscription immediately. So you've got to be really careful about that kind of stuff. So there's a couple of good fraud filters out there. 24 metrics is one I use. Uh, fraud shields, another. I have three actually in place at one time. This is you got to really be on top of. IPQS, IP Quality Score, is another one I use. Um, and and it's just rating IP scores and checking to see that the billing address is somewhere near the shipping address, kind of thing. Uh, making sure that legitimate email addresses, things of that nature. Um, and, and and these fraudsters aren't too technical, right? They're just they're just trying to scrape the bottom and try and find some offers. Looking for easy wins, right? They're looking for people that are not paying attention and not running these filters and stuff like that. And, and for me, I wasn't the first Got couple it. months because I didn't know. So I, so I, I had, like I said, one weekend, I had 55 hits and that cost me, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks. I was like five, $600. And I was like, oh my God. And I, I had to go back to my affiliate and like, hey, reverse these charges. And of course they were pissed about it because they paid out already. And, and they yelled at me like, Creek, you've got to have better fraud filters. Like, I, I can't be doing this. So that, that's when we really started taking fraud seriously. Because we maybe have one or two a week here and there. But when you get hit 55 times in one weekend, that, that's a big problem. And that can't happen. Totally. So, so talk a little bit about knowing your data. So you've got this, this platform you're using, Everflow. Uh, what 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 is the the data there that you would recommend really paying attention to and really getting to know to be able to maximize results? Really, it really depends. If you're running a, a rebuild model, um, whether it's on a bill or, or recharge, I personally use re, uh, I personally use uh, recharge. Make sure it's integrated into there so you can see the rebuild rates. Uh, another good app I really like, I think it's actually free. It's called uh, Rap, R A P P. Um, it's really good for cohort data. Um, it plugs in a Shopify, um, and like I said, it's free. So that's really good to kind of get a sense of how long are people sticking around? What does your subscription business look like? Um, and just kind of get a sense of it, because like, right, like an LTV to CAC ratio in the industry, most uh, lifetime value to customer acquisition cost, um, trying to help you guys out. Um, ratio, <laughs> most people agree a three is optimal. Um, I was running a 3.6 and I still am because I'm not, I'm not super well funded. I've got to run profitable from day one. Like, so I'm, I'm running a relatively conservative model because I, I need to be running profitably and it's been working great for us. Um, and going into Everflow and making sure that, um, your publishers conversion rates are good. Um, and, and you just don't have too many publishers because because there's sometimes we're broken into each other and it's just a race to the bottom. You got to make sure that um, there's not too much overlap, which is going to be, especially if you're building a program, especially if you're doing it yourself like I did. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of opportunity here. And then also like, don't be afraid of some of these um, what I call lower quality traffic sources. So discount or coupon or incent. 
Like those aren't the best brand builders, but they are enough to get volume and traction and build a brand. And then you can scale into content and email and listicles and some of the higher quality um, affiliate um, channels. Yeah, so you have to kind of, and then also part of this too, is you have to prove a, a track record, right? So you have to prove to the, the, the better, more established affiliates, you have to prove that your model works, that the conversion rate works, and that those earnings per click are, are high and conversion rates are high. So maybe you start with the, the lower quality traffic, get your track record built up, and then you can go to the listicle affiliates and some of those other the higher quality affiliates. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we had to do that. We did it with Men's Journal. We have, we've done it with a bunch of email traffic. Um, and again, I always say, like, look at your landing page. If your landing page isn't converting at these, like, lower-level stuff, like, it's not going to convert at the higher-level stuff. So make sure, like, that is really good. And um, we're now testing as a Firestone Zipify pages now to really try and get the upsells. Um, I, I actually could sell it on the side. And uh, this company I was just talking to, like, I was like, what's your upsell funnel? And they're like, well, we don't have one. It's like, oh, that's... That is necessary. That is 100% necessary, especially an affiliate, yep. where you're only paying for that click and that, that first conversion. But if there's an upsell, you're not paying for that. So that's just free cash to you. You want to make sure you have that implemented. And a lot of people will take that upsell, right? I, I'm, I'm like a marketer's dream. When there's something I want to buy and I'm in the mood, I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's just buy two of them. Let's buy three. Let's give it a tra- Let's give it a go. And so those those upsells, you know, I know I know Ezra talks about making an instant fifteen percent more, right? When when you implement those upsells, and maybe it's more depending on your your product and your offer and and what that uh, take rate is on the upsell. But uh, yeah, how would you speak to that? As you started um, launching upsells, how did that impact your numbers? Yeah, I mean we're about twelve percent uptake on it right now, so not the best, not the worst, but it it's significant. I mean twelve percent is nothing to scoff at, and we're happy with those numbers. Um, we did it with a company called Conversion Bear um, or Honeycomb. We're actually testing out Zipify and uh, Ezra's um, landing pages and upsells next. Um, my, my, my next thing is I want to upsell subscriptions. Um, I don't see why not. So Conversion Bear, Honey, Honeycomb doesn't allow that. Zipify does. So we're going to start testing those out pretty soon. Um, another thing is just minimizing friction. Especially if you're running like a sample page, same way that Dollar Shave Club did it. One click, go straight to checkout, no cart, just zoom in. Make it frictionless as possible. But the problem with that is, and with something we're realizing now, it lowers your AOV. So if a customer wants to buy a second product, you're kind of cutting that. So that's when we're kind of realizing now that, okay, we need an upsell for subscriptions because we were before would have two or three subscriptions. And then this past month, because we cut that cart, we're like, oh no, like our AOV went down, like our orders went really high and maybe the conversions increased slightly, but the AOV dropped so much, they're like, okay, we got to find a way to get that back up. And we're realizing an upsell of a subscription, we'll, we'll do that. Got it. So so when you say upsell of a subscription, um, it wasn't a subscription to begin with. So they're, they, they, they've got to click that button though, right? To acknowledge the the rebill. What, what, what do you mean by upselling the subscription? So when you go, you go, you can send like a, hey, would you like to add this to your cart um, as, as well for the next month kind of thing? Because right now, right now we do it like a, an upsell of a variety pack. Like uh, you click in, you've already purchased your, um, your product and the thing, hey, would you like to add your variety pack for another 15 bucks? I forget exactly what it is. Um, but instead of that, why not say, hey, you've got a, you just purchased a subscription. Would you like to add this, this, this subscription as well for a discounted got price it. as well? So the next rebuild, got you it, get got it, yeah, totally. both products. 
And of course, you're cutting your margin slightly, but you're also raising right. your AOV and you're moving more volume. And, and it's just, it's again, an affiliate model basis, it's kind of free money because you're not paying a CPA for it. Right, right. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And so I, I want to unpack something you mentioned a little bit ago that, that wasn't super clear to me. The uh, You said you want to limit overlap when you're picking affiliates. Can you unpack what that means and how you avoid that? Yeah, so it, it's difficult um, because, like I said, a lot of these affiliates broker out to other networks. So like most of these guys are networks. What you want a lot of times, you want to look for affiliates where they have owned inventory, where they have their own websites, where they own their own apps. But... Even when they do, the vast majority of them still so broker out deals. where they own deals. their own content or own their yeah. own email list or that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, exactly. The problem is the vast majority of these guys, not only do they have their own um, inventory, you call it, but they also broker it out to other networks. And that's when things get a little tricky because then you're always bidding against each other and it's just, it just goes to the bottom. So you kind of want to have like one or two really good email guys, whether it's like a Madrivo or... Um, Active Sun, you kind of want to have like three, four really good um, incent guys. So like Ad Action, Tapjoy, Cactus, um, and then you want to have, and then from there you want to just go like publishers that have um, good influencer lists. Um, and from there you kind of like LTK is probably the best one out there, um, or Grin, another good one. Um, so you kind of want to silo them a little bit. But also, like I said, when you're building it out in the early days, you kind of just want to put it everywhere, see what sticks, who's who is performing. And then once you kind of see that, let's say you, you cut out the, the other ones because they're probably just brokering it out anyway. Not, they don't have their own network. Yeah, totally, totally makes sense. Awesome. Uh, and, and I know uh, Creek's given a lot of resources and a lot of websites. I'll link to this in the show notes. So if you go to omgcommerce.com, click on podcasts. And this episode, I'll have links to everything here for you to check out. So let's talk about what, what are some of the other keys to success? So you talked about some of the things you you wish you had known from the beginning, and I know weaved throughout that was some keys to success, but what are some other really important things uh, if someone's considering affiliate marketing that they need to, to look at? Um, diving in head first is always good, in my opinion, but talk to other people that have been there before, whether it's guys like me or, I mean, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still going to these meetups and like, hey, you seem like a wealth of knowledge. Like, can I buy you a drink later? Like, I've, I've, I've had maybe drinks since that one meetup four weeks ago. Almost every, every single week, at least once a week, I've met with someone from that meetup just to pick their brain. Um, I've, I've talked to my affiliates all the time about what do you think this landing page looks like? Um, what are your thoughts on this conversion? How can we boost this slightly? Um, because these guys have been in the space for 15 years, the vast majority of them. Um, and they just have so, there's a wealth of knowledge, all of them. And like I said, the affiliates are um, a little guarded. They're all a little scared to kind of talk to you about things and who their affiliate is, who their partners are, which is a little strange for me because um, I feel like I'm prying too much half the time. But I, I feel like there's a there's a polite way to do it, um, and it works. Um, and just be willing to learn, be willing to um, be willing to fail, set caps. Like especially with new affiliates, set caps. I, I set a two thousand dollar cap with all my affiliates. Just because I need to vet quality of traffic, um, I need to vet um, them as an affiliate themselves as well. Just to kind of see, do I like working with them? Is the quality kind of good? You know. So that cap is two two thousand in payouts is what you're willing to to pay up front, so you can then look at that rebuild rates and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the first month I cap my guys two ran. Second month I do five, and after that, if it's good, uh, it's unlimited. 
So I've, I've got a couple of guys that are like doing 20 grand Beautiful. a month right now. That's, that's phenomenal. Phenomenal. So as maybe the, the very first step, what, what would you recommend to folks? Like what, what platform to go check out? What, what should they read first? Where, where should they kind of go first here? I mean, there's a lot of good resources out there. I personally lean toward Everflow. Um, they've just been really good to me. Um, so I, I'd actually reach out to them, kind of talk to them a little bit. They've got, they have a big help guide. Um, Perform CB is one of the biggest um, affiliate networks out there. Um, they might be public or traded, I don't recall. They've got a big um, PDF, like uh, workbook on affiliate What's marketing. What's the name of that one again, Creek? Perform CB. Um, They've got a huge um, workbook, and that's really helpful. Uh, all the terms, all the ins and outs of it. Um, and then also, like, maybe hire an agency. Maybe hire a Perform CB. So Perform CB actually works as um, their network, but they also manage your program. So if you don't want to go ahead first, then you can do that. Um, but quite honestly, like, like I said before, like, you've got to kind of do it yourself in a way. Um, unless you're willing to pay $10,000 a month to one of these agencies, because that's what they're charging. I, I have, I've, I've met a few other ones, but like they seem kind of bottom of the bucket. Like the real good ones, they're all charging kind of 15 grand a month because there's so few of them. There's very few affiliate marketers out there. Um, and if you're an affiliate marketer, most of them would rather just run a network. It's more profitable for them. So like for them, it's why would I run an agency when I could just run offers and broker deals out and take a cut of the CPA, which makes sense. Totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Uh, Creek, this has been fantastic. I'm a little bit fired up now about affiliate marketing. I want, I want to go deeper myself and learn this and, and check it out. So this is super cool. Now, when you and I are prepping, uh, uh, you talked about another superpower you have and, and that, that's been instrumental in, in building Candy Can, but also your, your previous business. So in addition to affiliate marketing, you also talked about adaptability as kind of a superpower. And so we'll just talk about this really briefly. We're about at the end of our time. But you, you gave the example of, you know, cockroaches versus dinosaurs, right? So dinosaurs extinct, lots of theories as to why, but not as adaptable, right, to a changing world. Cockroaches could live through a nuclear holocaust, and they would just, you know, still keep chugging along. So t talk about, uh, you know, what adaptability means to you and, and, and riff on that cockroaches versus dinosaurs yeah. analogy, if you Yeah, like. I mean, like, think about that, like the dinosaurs, like these huge companies that have been around forever, whether it's like, like even like a Zico or like Vitacoke or how big they were and they kind of disappeared and they died or like, um, I don't know, Arizona iced tea, they're still around. But like some of these big beverage companies, but they didn't innovate, they didn't keep going. So like these smaller companies that like kind of are able to change and move like vital proteins, like they're able to kind of constantly adapt. That's so key in being an entrepreneur. Um, and like I came from a finance background and then I became a food entrepreneur with chips and popcorn and that business Maybe I did a quarter million dollars online, maybe. I mean, it was a very small part of the business. Uh, we were in 14,000 stores. We were distribution retail heavy. We were sold in 10 different countries. We knew everything and everything about retail, distribution, promotions, slotting fees, all that stuff. By the time I sold a company, DTC kind of took over, and that's why me and my business partner were like, we have to build a DTC company, but shipping chips and popcorn online wasn't profitable. If you're shipping volume, it's too, uh, it was too expensive. So that's why we love this company and being able to ship things to consumers directly. You have direct conversation with them and it's more profitable. Um, but we had to learn D to C. And then we learned Facebook, Google, and we learned pretty quickly, this doesn't work for us. So then I had to learn affiliate marketing. So I'm constantly learning. I even look at my business partner. He's an accountant. The guy's a CPA. He's learned how to code. 
He's learned how to use Illustrator, Adobe. He's building landing pages. So like we both are constantly educating ourselves. I'm constantly sitting in webinars. I'm constantly just like YouTubing. How do I do this? TikTok. I learned how to make TikToks. I'm not a social media guy. I don't even have an Instagram. But like I make TikToks. It's just constantly learning and adapting to a changing environment um, because otherwise you won't survive. And I think that's just the, the difference between the ones who make it and ones who don't. It's just adaptability. I love it, man. I could not agree more. You, you've got to be willing to, to go all in, as you said, and, and learn new things because the world is shifting and the marketplace is shifting. And if you just key in on one thing and, and never look to go beyond it, you're going to struggle and you're going to be limited and you're likely not going to be here in five or 10 years. And so uh, really, really good, man. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, for those that are listening and thinking, you know what? I would like to try Candy Can as well. How can folks check out your product? You go to eatcandycan.com. I actually killed a bag of focus uh, before I uh, got on this. As you couldn't tell, I was in the zone. Uh, Dude, I felt like something was up. You were just, you were just on. You were on point. You were, you were thanks. firing off amazing answers. So yes. at least partial credit goes to the candy can product. Yeah. So you go to eatcandycan.com. Um, e a t c a n d y c a n dot com. Um, check us out on Instagram, Eat Candy Can, TikTok, Facebook, Eat Candy Can. Um, we have sleep, focus, immunity. They're all efficacious. They're all keto. They all taste great. Awesome. Check it out. I highly, highly recommend it. Creed, this has been a ton of fun, man. Thank you so much for doing this, and we'll have to chat again sometime. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Good talking. All right, brother. Thank you. And as always, thank you for tuning in. We would love to hear from you. What would you like to hear more of on the podcast, less of on the podcast? If you have not done it already, leave that five-star review. We would love that. Also, if you've not checked out my other podcast called Spicy Curry Hot Takes on digital marketing and e-commerce, check that out as well. And so with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.